Hello, and welcome back to the All Into Account podcast. I'm Jason Hunter, head of technical strategy here at JP Morgan. Today is the 1st of February, which leaves the market still digesting the FOMC statement and press conference from yesterday. In today's recording, I'm going to spend time talking about the technical setup for the front end of the Treasury curve and how we think the bull market will develop in the months ahead. I'll also talk about the bearish signals that developed on the charts of the equity market leadership. There, those patterns across multiple timeframes also triggered in the context of a late cycle setup, the yield curve having been inverted for many months. I will talk about how we manage the short-term and the medium-term components of that view. Lastly, I will end with Chinese equities, which saw another failed attempt to bottom after many months of bearish price action. We'll start, as I said, with the front end of the Treasury curve. Uh, the two-year note, as you can see on the chart, and a quick programming note for those of you that are joining us on, on JP Morgan Markets, you have access to the video and the slides as I talk over uh, those charts with all the illustration. Uh, for the podcast, I'll do my best to, to uh, verbally illustrate um, those slides and talk about where the key levels are and the various pattern formations. Um, so, so as I said, as you can see on the chart, starting in mid-December, uh, the front end of the Treasury market started to consolidate range after that very explosive fourth quarter rally. We've highlighted the 450 to 455 area roughly as what's been key support uh, for that range, not only the high yields that we've seen develop since mid-December, um, that's also where the market broke out from after the December FOMC uh, meeting when the Fed had a fairly dovish message. Additionally, that also roughly marks the 38.2% retracement uh, the Fibonacci retracement level of the fourth quarter rally. Um, as we moved into this last uh, Fed meeting, what we just had the last day uh, or so, um, we thought there could be a bit more of a position squeeze. If you look across the various data, whether it be the leverage fund data in the CFTC report, um, and just by the price action itself, where you've seen the front end really hold on to its gains relative to the more significant backup we've seen at the long end, it still seemed as though there was crowded long position uh, in the two-year note in you know, the various futures markets that, that trade the money market curve. Um, so we thought if the message wasn't as dovish as the forwards um, had projected, um, you could potentially see some of that long positioning get rinsed out of the market. Um, and we were somewhat hopeful for that because as we exited our long exposure in the fourth quarter and as the market rallied, we were looking to add back to those core longs in the two-year note, the five-year note. Uh, for right now, we had, like I said, we had a bid set at four and a quarter, um, higher yields, thinking that perhaps a position squeeze would get us there. And what are we left with? Well, the Fed, in fact, wasn't as dovish as the forwards um, are projecting right now. Um, and you still have a market that's stuck in a well-entrenched tra entrenched trading range. Um, so what does that mean for us? Well, I don't think we're going to be so lucky as to get higher yield levels to re-enter that core long exposure. We'll have to revisit where our bids are set to look to enter that position. And what we think we'll see here, if you look at the two-year note, um, that key support, 450, 455, give or take, where now the 50-day moving average has also trended down into that zone, is likely to hold going forward. Um, does that mean that you know we're chomping at the bit to get long and we just enter a long exposure uh, right now? Um, no, uh, I, I still think uh, I, and I'm still of the mind that this resistance area of 420, 425, give or take, you'll see the front end consolidate around that zone for a while here. And it goes back to some of the charts that we've used in our in our publications recently. And the message I had on our last podcast 
when you look at how the front end is priced, um, it's already fairly dovish in its pricing, um, where you've got the market roughly 50 basis points through um, the market implied neutral. If we were to look at something like five-year, five-year OIS, and we're talking about the terminal rate for where the market thinks the Fed's going to get to in the easing cycle. In order to go beyond that and put more than 250 basis points of eases into the forward, markets historically have wanted to see claims start to move higher in a substantial way. As we're not there yet, um, and claims are still somewhat contained here, you know, moving up, but moving up in a very well-defined range and clearly not breaking out at this point, um, we're not inclined to get overly aggressive thinking the two-year note's about to run away from us. So like I said, we're going to be patient here. We think we're going to see, you know, potentially multiple weeks of this continued consolidation and range trading. Um, but but the idea is we're not going to get the yields that we thought we could get um, to re-enter that long exposure. Um, so instead of, let's say, four and a quarter for the five-year note, um, that support looks more likely it's going to be somewhere between four and 410. Um, for the front end, again, you know, rather than the 460s, for even 470s, you know, 450, 455 may be as high as yields get um, during that period of consolidation. Um, so we'll see how that develops in the days, weeks ahead um, and watch our notes for, for, you know, whether or not we're going to pull the trigger on a new long trade and where we decide to set um, that, that bid to get back into that core long exposure. Keep in mind, um, as we have a medium term bull market view here, we don't want to have no exposure at all. Um, so we're still holding a 530 steepener. And we also added back to our 10-year tips break even tightener, um, which in part acts like a duration long, but that's a good segue as we move forward into the equity market. Um, tips also have some correlation to risky markets, whether you're looking at VIX, equity returns, um, and commodities as well. Um, so as we move forward onto the equity market view, um, which has been a, a bit of a pain trade for us um, in the latter part of the fourth quarter, ever since the S&P surged through 4,400, got another bid when the Fed gave that dovish signaling in December. And then when mega cap again broke out in January, you saw these additional legs that, that we didn't think would transpire, yet here we are. Um, again, from a big picture pers perspective, we're now 21, 22 months after curve inversion, we're now getting into the latter part of that month count historically um, when you've seen that curve inversion eventually give way into bearish equity price action. We're still using that as the common theme across our cross-market view and technical views here. Um, so what does, that does is it leaves us looking for short-term bearish signaling, medium-term bearish signaling. Um, and once we see that, something that suggests rally exhaustion, that's where we start to suggest getting a bit more aggressive with thinking about hedging or bearish exposure. And then from there, we'll wait to see if the top patterns build and suggest we truly are at the point of reversal. Um, well, for right now, we've got those tentative and initial signals, not just on the S&P, as we highlighted in our, our publication last week, but also for the New York Stock Exchange FANG Plus Index, um, which really is at the heart of what leadership has been. Um, it's, you know, for a brief period in December, you saw small caps and, you know, start to pick up leadership broadened a little bit that immediately went back to the old habit of this particular rally over the past year or so, which has been a very thinly led rally. And that's exactly what we had in January on the breakout um, where Russell stayed very contained, equal weight S&P 500 stayed contained roughly I think eight of the 11 uh, S&P 500 sector indexes didn't break out. 
it was really only the handful of names um, that that lift this time. Now that the Fang index um, got into the next cluster of resistance, you know, let's call it 9550 to 9725, um, it actually triggered a, a set of our pattern-based signals where we look for momentum diver divergence. That's another way of saying a loss of trend momentum. That particular pattern, um, when we systematically identify those signals and look at the forward returns versus randomly entered short trades, um, we can statistically see some differentiation uh, between random entry and, and the signals, with obviously the higher probability that you see short-term backing and filling and correction following the signals. Um, by no means is this a full separate one standard deviation separation from random. You know, no. I mean, very rarely do you see that in, in technical studies, but it does show a tendency for the market to mean revert and correct following those signals. Furthermore, it's not just on the daily chart, um, but when you go across the various indices um, in DM and look at the large cap indices in DM, um, you see that signaling at the daily, the weekly, and in some cases, the monthly timeframes here. Um, again, that in the context of an inverted yield curve for as long as it's been inverted, you know, historically suggests the market could be at a tipping point where this is not just a short term high, but this is the start of a more protracted bear market. Still very early days. We've only really had one or two days of, of pronounced weakness here from those highs. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how it develops. For the FANG index, the initial support is just where it broke out from earlier in January, 88.77. Um, below that, I would say the first big support, you know, where the decision line is in terms of short-term trend momentum, um, you're talking more along the lines of 8290 uh, up to, let's say, 8380, 8400, give or take. Um, if the market were to break below that, you'll start to turn some of your very short-term trend-following signals, CTA-type signals, to negative. Um, from a pattern perspective, That'll also put the market below where it set its high in the summer um, and then the latter part of, of the fourth quarter ahead of the breakout. So what that basically would mean is anyone that chased the breakout after, let's say, mid-November, all those positions go underwater and potentially add to the, uh, the pre downside pressure on the market as those positions potentially start to liquidate. On a medium to longer term perspective, the 200-day moving average sits at 7,700. Uh, the longer term channel that's contained this leg of the bull market um, back from the uh, October 2022 lows, um, that all sits roughly in that 7,700 um, to 8,000 area. You break that, you know, in terms of, the, you know, the bearish view that we have for the quarters ahead, thinking that we're going to start to more um, uh, properly price a slowdown and potential you know, higher risk of recession in 2024, that's when the market firmly moves in our favor um, and our view really starts to gain traction. So like I said, a lot of steps between here and there for right now, we'll wait to see whether or not the index breaks below the initial support and tactical support near 88.77, and we'll build that view uh, from there. Lastly, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll go to the other side of the world and look at the Shanghai Composite um, and this goes for, for all, you know, China-linked indices, CSI 300, Hang Seng. Um, they all have a very similar type price action. Um, and in this case, you know, the market broke down and accelerated to the downside when it pushed below 2863, 2885. Uh, those were the lows from 2022. Um, you also saw the October low of 2023, roughly in that same area. Once it breached that well-defined range support, it really accelerated 
to the downside, um, at which point you started to get some policy headlines um, in an attempt to help stabilize the equity market. Um, that ultimately culminated to a sharp bounce, um, really from a level you know near 2,700 that wasn't really anything on the chart, more a reaction to the headline. Um, but in our last note, what we said is, okay, old support becomes new resistance. Typically, when you see a, resistance, uh, a support level of that significance break, the initial throwback into that level tends to fail. Um, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. You had a sharp two, three-day rally. It rolled over roughly near 2,900, just above those levels we had spoken about earlier of where that support was, um, putting the market right back down to its prior lows. The next support levels, 2,646, 2,663, with a downtrend intact, you know, with even the most aggressive downtrend line, you know, con connecting the dots from August through December of last year intact. Um, my base case is that the market will try and get down to those secondary support levels. Does it try and rebase there? Potentially. Um, and, and really, number one, the failed bounce is meaningful because you saw other cyclically sensitive and, and let's say global manufacturing cycle correlated markets like industrial metals and even energy catch a bid when Chinese equities went up, given the policy implications and, and you know, the clear policy moves to try and stabilize markets there. Um, with one, tactically, with the market failing and rolling over here, um, you know, copper stalling in resistance. Uh, crude is trying to hold above its breakout levels on a tactical basis, but threatening. Um, our base case is that the higher probability is that those commodities push back lower again. Um, another thing to point out, Australian dollar, which is also highly correlated to industrial metals, barely even moved up all off the low, stayed contained, stayed contained below the 50-day moving average. And there, just like crude, is now pressuring its breakout level, where if that breaks, you could see um, a move back down to the lower end of the broader range. On a near-term basis, downside pressure, again, if we're expecting risk a general risk-off tone to take hold here, when we even look at DM equity market leadership, you know, that that all fits. Now, bigger picture, if we get the view right into the late spring and early summer, and if DM equity markets more appropriately price for a higher probability of recession, it's also important to note that cyclicals and the manufacturing, um, you know, let's say sensitive markets, um, they front loaded a lot of the risk. Let's not forget PMIs have been below 50 globally for quite a while now. Um, so you can see that with Chinese equities, you can see that with industrial metals and commodities more broadly, and even inside of U.S. equities, when we parse out cyclicals versus defensives, um, you know, they were came under pressure uh, quite early and stayed under pressure. You could just look at a small cap, you know, uh, Russell 2000 chart, which also tends to be uh, more of a tip of the spear type type group um, that will rally first when there, there seems to be there's going to be a cyclical bottom. They've also been under pressure. Um, so we're open minded about the idea as as this bearish view unfolds into the middle of the year, these deep cyclicals, you know, the, the, the PMI correlated markets may start to outperform early on. And it may not be because they're being accumulated, but they may, may already be sold out um, at this point. Um, that's the months ahead. For now, we're going to focus more on catching the highs and, and, and isolating the highs of those DM markets. Um, but that's something to think about as we move forward into the spring and summer. That's all we have for today here at All Into Account. Thank you very much for joining us. And we look forward to having you with us next time. I've been Jason Hunter. Have a good day.